Well, here at Saints Peter and Paul Lutheran Church, we have been studying the life of Jesus uh, during the season of Lent. And as we've gone through uh, Matthew, we're reading his gospel uh, to see this life of Jesus, we've gotten to interact with a lot of different people, uh, see different people's reactions to Jesus, uh, to his message, to his deeds. And some of the fun of this uh, series is that we've even been able to kind of get behind the eyes of people who met Jesus, the real Jesus, right? So last week, we got uh, behind the eyes of the centurion, if you remember that, who met Jesus and asked for the healing of his servant back at home. And uh, this week, we get another set of eyes to put ourselves behind and encounter the real Jesus, and it's the eyes of John the Baptist. And I am really thankful that today we have the chance to, to hear from John the Baptist, in particular after last week's message. Because last week's message with the centurion was all about uh, this gift of prayer that we have. Uh, like, just like the centurion could ask Jesus to heal his servant, we can also ask Jesus to come into our life and help us, right? We can parakaleo, if you remember that Greek word, uh, call Jesus next to us, appeal to him. Say, Jesus, I need your help. I've got this thing going on in my life. I, I don't know what to do. Jesus, uh, come, can you, can you please assist me? Can you help me? And my hunch is that many of the people in this room have done that. But I wonder, have any of us done that and not seen the help come? Have any of us taken Jesus up on the offer to, to call out to him to reach out to him and been less than satisfied with the result. Maybe you can think back to a time in your life when there was something that you were praying to God about, some situation you were going through or a loved one was going through, and you were going to God in prayer for it because you needed help, and seemingly God didn't deliver. Or maybe you're in a season of your life right now where there's something going on and you've been praying to God about it, but you feel like you're praying to a brick wall. You say, God, can't you hear me? Don't you know what's going on in my life? You say, God, is there something, am I not praying the right way? Do I need to use the Greek? Do I got to pray parakaleo? Is is that the, the trick? God, are you really out there? Do you see me suffering? God, are you the one? And if you're there now or if you've been there in the past, I think fundamentally you've experienced the offense of God. And it's not easy to deal with people who offend us, right? It's not easy to at least go nose to nose with them. We have ways to deal with people who offend us, but it doesn't usually look like going to them and bringing it before them, right? It's so much easier to just write people off who offend us, maybe categorize them and just say, well, that's just the way they are. That's who they are. I shouldn't have expected anything different. We have a hard time talking to people that offend us, but We might not have a hard time talking about people that offend us. That comes rather naturally, actually. 
And I wonder, do we have the same challenge when it comes to our Father in heaven? Have we been hurt by Him in the past, and and that's made us afraid to go back to Him, or maybe untrusting of going back to the Father? Do we find ourselves, even in this season, if we've been travailing in prayer, finding ourselves kind of running out of steam, less and less inclined to go to Him because it seems like He's not hearing us? Not realizing that if we would actually take even those feelings towards Him, that bitterness about the the lack of response we're experiencing, if we would take that and bring it to Him, that it would actually deepen and strengthen our relationship. And that if we would do that to the other people in our lives who we have issue with, if they were willing to meet us like God is willing to meet us, it might actually strengthen and deepen those relationships. But do we do that? That's hard. This is why I'm thankful for John the Baptist today, because he does it. And so we can at least look at John the Baptist, look at his response to Jesus of what's going on in his life, and see how God responds. Because John gets us. John has been in a situation like us. If you've ever been in a situation where you felt like things weren't adding up, the way you kind of expected your life to go, the way you thought it should go, was not meeting up with reality, John uh, has lived that because, well, he had a, a vision for his life too, and in our section today, he's not experiencing it. And there's two things that tip us off uh, in this little section from the text that show us that John is offended. He's offended by God. Uh, the first is John's remark to Jesus Are you the one, or should we expect another? Those words for John have to be laced with a great deal of disappointment and frustration. Because John the Baptist had staked his whole ministry, basically, on Jesus being the one. Remember, John was this forerunner of Jesus. He was Elijah, as they call him, the one preparing the way in the wilderness for the Messiah to come, the Christ. And so he had gathered a mass following. I mean, flocks of people were going out to him to be baptized, to hear his message. But when Jesus showed up, he said, that's the guy. This is who I've been talking about. There is the Lamb of God. Behold. And some of Jesus' own disciples, his first disciples, were actually formerly disciples of John. But John said, no, that's the guy. You should go follow him. And they did. And they said, Rabbi, we want to come stay with you. So John has, has staked his, his ministry on this guy, Jesus. He was preaching in accordance with Jesus. Their messages were the same. But look where the message has gotten John. Because he was a little too outspoken with a corrupt government, actually. John uh, spoke out against corrupt leadership in the world, in his world, in his day. And so where is he sending messengers from? Where is he when he reaches out to Jesus? He's in prison, right? Wait a minute. If you, Jesus, are the one, and and I served you, I gave my life to you, 
then how, how is my life such a mess right now? Why is my life a wreck? You're supposed to be the one. This isn't how it's supposed to go. My life shouldn't be in shambles. Why is all this bad stuff happening to a good person like me? John's offended. And it's Jesus' words that affirm that John is offended. As if his his disappointed message wasn't enough, Jesus gives his response, and his response serves to us to consider Jesus, who he is, who he's claiming to be, but it's also personal. It's a word going back to John the Baptist in his particular situation, and how does Jesus finish his response? Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Because there's John sitting in a cell, hearing the deeds of Jesus, hearing about his thriving ministry, and now John's just forgotten. He's irrelevant. His whole ministry seems to have have flopped. This is not what he signed up for. Or maybe it is. That's actually what John is trying to figure out. John is trying to figure out if this is what he has signed up for. Are you the one? And and, and Jesus really gives kudos to John for coming to him with this message. We didn't read it uh, in today's text, but if you go on further, Jesus is going to praise John. He's going to call him the greatest of the prophets. He's not going to give John a hard time for, for seemingly waffling here. No, Jesus says, John... I can tell you're offended at me. I'm glad you've come to me. I'm glad that that you're not just thinking of me in some vague, sentimental way, but that that you're really thinking about who am I and what have I called us to. I'm glad you came to me, John. Let's, Let's work on this. Because John is realizing that to be in a relationship with Jesus, if he is the one, means that that relationship is going to be limitless. If Jesus is the one, he can demand anything from you. And Jesus will demand things. Uh, We covered this a couple weeks ago in the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus makes demands on your life. If you read his words in the sermon, you'll know this is true, right? Jesus makes demands on your emotions. Not that you can't have them, as Aaron rightly pointed out. Emotions are natural. They're part of the human experience. So, of course, you're going to have emotions. You're not in trouble for having those. But what do we do with them? How do we wield them towards others? Jesus has a few things to say about that. Jesus makes demands on our finances. In in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, do not lay up treasures for yourself here on earth. Don't hoard for yourself. Followers of Jesus are meant to be people of radical generosity. We don't really like people dipping their fingers into that part of our life. Jesus even makes demands on our thoughts. Much of the Sermon on the Mount is spent saying it's not about the external behaviors that you exhibit to others or see in the world, but it's about what's going on in here and up here. Jesus has access to our minds. Are you kidding me? That's not very comforting. 
And this is one of the reasons why a lot of the world actually does have issue with Christianity. They say it feels like a straight jacket, right? That you can't, you can't do anything. And if you don't see that Jesus makes demands on your life, you're not seeing the real Jesus. And maybe for you, Jesus is just kind of a, a cheerleader, you know, a pseudo-therapist who says, good job, you're going to do it, you're going to do a great job out there today. You know, he picks you up when you're feeling hurt. And that's kind of the whole purpose of Jesus. That's not the real Jesus. It's not, that's not a Jesus who offends. But if you and I encounter the real Jesus like John the Baptist encountered the real Jesus, then we will experience that transformational change that Aaron talked about. And so I want to look at how uh, uh, John answered because Jesus accepts it. He doesn't harass John, he accepts his answer. But there are a couple of different answers that people often make that John didn't. So we're going to look at those briefly uh, to make sure that we don't fall into the same pitfall. So what didn't John say? Well, Don, John didn't say, if you are the one. John said, are you the one? Or should we expect another? But he didn't say, if you are the one, then spring me from this prison cell. Look, Jesus, clearly this isn't where I'm supposed to be if, if you're the guy. If my ministry is to thrive, you've got to get me out of here. Spring me from this, and then I'll know Christ. John doesn't operate that way, but a lot of people today do. A lot of people today say, Jesus, I've got this problem going on in my life. If you answer me here, then I'll know. I will trust then. Uh, Jesus, I know I've done a lot of things in my life, but if you can just answer this one prayer, I'll amend my whole life. I'll change my ways. Jesus, if you, if you prove yourself to me in this way, then I'll know that you're God. There's whole denominations that do this. Pastor Aaron showed me this real early on in here. We make a big point of this in our, in our church, that when we read the Bible, we don't start out there, take all of our ideas, all of the way the culture speaks about the world and our human understanding of how things ought to go, and then project that onto the Bible to test God. We believe that God is authoritative. So we actually take this Word of God and we look through it to the world. We don't say, if you check out, sure, then we'll believe you, or in the areas that we don't, we'll just edit those because people don't like to hear that. That's offensive. No, we say, you are God. You have to start that way. You have to start by saying, you're the one. Look, I'm in this situation right now, God, and I, I don't know what to do or how to handle it. I have some ideas. <laughs> I have some ways I think that you should act. But what do you want me to do? How do you want me to act in this situation that you've put me in? A lot of people out there are just praying and praying to Jesus or to God, thinking that they're not getting an answer. But God is speaking to them. Are they willing to hear the Word of God? Are they willing to consider that maybe they're coming to Him with a false premise? 
that God is calling them to do something differently than they've done so far. So it's not if, but are you the one? But there's another thing that John doesn't say. He doesn't say, are you the one or should we stop looking? He says, are you the one or should we look for another? And in that simple phrase, John points out something so profound about our human experience. And it's this. If you reject Jesus as your Lord, you will never stop looking for another one. You will never stop looking for someone or something to be the guiding principle of your life because that's how you're built. You have a creator who has built you, created you, and so you were created with this kind of God-shaped hole that he is meant to occupy. And if he's not, you're going to spend the rest of your life looking for that thing to occupy that space in your life, right? And this happens all over the place. There's a lot of influences out there that'll tell you this is what you should occupy your, that space in your heart with. And I, I like music, um, so uh, most, much of my youth was kind of wasted on um, uh, their ideas of what I should occupy that hole in my life with. That was pretty, uh, pretty influential on, on me, influential. And so, uh, you guys know that we like in sync around here, right? We sang for you back in the fall. I don't think I'm going to sing today. I'm just not feeling it. But there's that song by InSync as well, right? You're all I ever wanted. You're all I ever needed. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me what to do now. What are they doing? They've looked for another. They've looked for someone to come into their life and tell them how to live so that they can be affirmed so that they can be validated, so that they can know that they are, they're a worthy person, that they're loved. And there is not a single person in this room who is not doing that. It's how we're built. The question is, what are we looking to? Are we looking to another person to be our Savior? Are we looking to our career to give us that sort of validation? Is it just a dream of how we wish our life would be, and we think, ah, as soon as I can achieve that picture of my life, then I'll be happy. Are you the one, or should we look for another? If we reject Jesus, we'll go looking. And the question is, yeah, Jesus is offensive. He says things that are offensive to us, but Will whatever else you look for in this life be as compassionate as Jesus? Will any of those other things be as wonderful as Jesus? Will they be marvelous in your eyes? Will they be as faithful and as forgiving? Will any of those other things love you to the depths and lift you up to the skies? Will they be as tender? as Jesus. Because look, Jesus, though he might offend you, Jesus will never turn away from those who are offended by him. Do you hear that? And maybe you've been offended by Jesus. Maybe there is something that he didn't work out the way you wanted. 
Or maybe even the notion of, of letting him have more lordship in your life is uncomfortable. Jesus isn't offended by our offense. And we know that because there was a whole mob of people at one point who were offended by Jesus. Crucify him. Crucify him, they yelled. They didn't like the message of Jesus. They didn't like his teaching. Or maybe they they honestly didn't know what they were thinking or doing, but they were influenced by other voices. And so they yelled, crucify him. But what did Jesus say in response to them? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Maybe we don't know what we're doing with the people who have offended us in our life. My friends, I encourage you today, do what John the Baptist did. Don't don't grade God on your circumstance. Just read his claims. Look at who Jesus is. Is he who he says he is? Does he prove it by that long list he gave to John? If he does, then, then take even your hurt about the things in your life that haven't worked out the way you wanted, and take them to Jesus. Because if you let him love you in those depths, it will transform you and move you to those skies. If you're offended by him, go to him. And may he be your strength as you go into the world, a world of so much offense. May he be your strength in those relationships as well. In Jesus' name, amen.